Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for listening to Unapologetically Avram. I hope that you have been enjoying the past episodes. I want to take some time and just give a sincere thanks and gratitude for all of my patrons who give so that I can focus some time, energy, attention, resources, and research towards really working on these podcasts. So I want to spend some time and talk about why this episode is discussing cultivating joy. First of all, the world is tough. Um, There are some mass shootings that are going on. We see different things within the American politics concerning investigations under the former president. And things are really just tough all over with inflation. And even in our own personal lives, I know that many of us have different things that we're working through, whether it be economic hardships, uh, different things going on within our body, family situations. You know, life can be hard. So cultivating joy is a way that we can maintain our joy, we can maintain strength, we can find motivation, and we can find hope. So there are various ways that people do um, cultivate joy. Um, Some people like to go on walks, some people like to be in nature, exercise, painting, enjoying music, spending time with their family. There are a variety of ways that people cultivate joy. Throughout this episode, I spend some time to discuss some ways that I believe we can cultivate joy. What are some ways that you typically cultivate and enjoy your own joy? Now, I do want to also mention that with this episode, it was recorded around Pentecost Sunday. So you hear me mention that. And I also want to give a sincere congratulations to all of our graduates, whether it is high school, undergrad or graduate school or professional school or even a trade congratulations to you may god bless you and heaven smile upon you and i hope that you enjoy this episode so the three main points behind unapologetically avram is to eradicate racism to be a safe place for believers of color to be seen heard validated and celebrated and to ultimately foster authentic community. I have done quite a bit on speaking against racism in some of the previous episodes. And by sharing my personal story uh, in the previous two episodes, what I have hoped to do is to allow for this place to be a good avenue and venue for other believers of color to really share their own story of how they have had to carve out their own spaces uh, for validation and for authenticity. But I want to spend this episode in particular on the third point of fostering authentic community. And I really want to address cultivating joy, especially in light of the taxing. Uh, labor that it is concerning ra- uh, fighting racism and to be an anti-racist. So on one hand, you have to contend with a variety of folks who are really not convinced of why you are dedicated to fighting racism. 
In some cases, it is because they do not believe that racism is even something that exists. And so they view the work that you're doing as it's not very productive. And then on the other side of that coin, there are others who really believe that you are not doing enough to fight against racism. And so your work may be invalidated as not doing enough for being too soft. As I think about this, that there are even people who are convinced that racism is not even something that exists. And this is despite the fact that if you are paying attention and if you are watching carefully, you can see that there is something incredibly wrong, that there is a disproportionate amount of African-Americans and Latinx and Latino and Latina Americans filling up the prisons in relative to their population of the country. Even despite the fact that, you know, we see that there is racism that is rampant throughout the country. In some cases, in this fight that you are doing with uh, combating racism, you have to contend with trolls. Right? Now, a troll, this is someone who really has no desire to learn, no desire to really engage in a productive conversation. All they want to do is prove your, their point disprove your point, and to waste your time and to waste your energy. And so the question is, how do you keep going in this fight despite the things that are coming against you that at times feel insurmountable? As I mentioned before, I want to spend some time and I want to discuss cultivating joy. Now, we have some of these hashtags like Black Boy Joy and Black Girl Magic. And I want to be clear, I, I don't want to spend this episode by alluding to the fact that I am the authority on what they mean. However, when I personally hear these terms, I hear of a way of humanizing and authenticating the African-American joyful, jubilant, and jovial expression. These hashtags exist because Black people have not always found themselves worthy to um, experience joy. Let me state that again. In some cases, Black people have not deemed themselves worthy of experiencing joy or believing that there is anything magical about them because when they look at the images that pervade the media, they typically see themselves portrayed as criminals or they see the place that their ancestors came from, I'm speaking about Africa, as viewed as mostly uncivilized and a bunch of jungles and just filled with nothing but animals. And so when you look at these things and in light that most of the time that certain images about black people are paraded on television, it's of black people entertaining. And so black people are viewed as a commodity and for entertainment. And this really makes it difficult for a positive self-image of Black youth across this nation. So these hashtags of Black Boy Joy and Black Girl Magic are really just a way of celebrating the artistic expression, the intelligent discourse, the athletic prowess, 
and the religious experience, even just the regular mundane activity, that these things have their own joyful expressions and moments worth celebrating. You know, I saw a video recently of these group of young black men on a subway bus, uh, excuse me, a subway train, and they're dancing on the rails and flipping and moving a hat. And what I find amazing is that when you look at, number one, how incredible difficult moves they're doing in this tight space, just the sheer joy that you see on their face. I saw another video of, of, a dub, of a group of black women, a large group of black women, double dutch. And if you're not familiar with, with double dutch, it's you have um, two people on opposite ends with a very long rope. And they're swinging this in, in an alternating fashion. And there's someone in the middle. And with both feet, they're jumping over these ropes. And it is just incredible degree of difficulty that they're doing with ease and with joy and just really having a good time. And as I think about these joyful expressions, I want to shout out all of my, my cousins and my family down in the gas house. And I just, it, it brings back to my mind when me and my cousins, when we would take a, just a sock and we would go to my grandparents' tree in the front yard and just play basketball, or we would just throw the sock up in the air as if it was a football and one person had to grab it and run it from one end of the yard to another without really being tackled. And it was just the sheer amount of joy that me and my cousins had. And that's what I want to speak to today is cultivating that level and that kind of joy. And so these are, as I mentioned, just some of the lighter everyday expressions that cultivate joy. And as I think about it on a more grand scale, in this season, we're celebrating a variety of high school and undergrad and, and graduate school graduates, right? Some of them are having summa cum laude or magna cum laude, and some of them are just graduating thank you laude. But whatever you find yourself in that is worthy of celebrating that you have transitioned from a certain amount of coursework and you are now crossing over to application. Kudos and congratulations. You made it. You did it. You have arrived. And time really does not permit me to even bring up the likes of Robert Glasper, Basquiat, Nina Simone, Angela Davis, Cornell West, Oprah Winfrey, Angela Bassett, Michael B. Jordan, Rihanna, Beyonce, Tina Turner, may she rest in peace, T.D. Jakes, Sarah Jakes Roberts, and by now you get the point. And this is not an exhaustive list, but what I hope this does illustrate are the variety of fields that you can find black boy joy and black girl magic. Now, I know for some that some of these names or even all of these names may prove problematic for whatever reason you may find. And I don't want to negate or belittle those reasons. But my point in raising these names is not necessarily to say that these are examples that we should follow after. But I do want to point out that these are examples of a variety of African-Americans that carved out their own niche of success in a world and a system that has not always been welcoming. 
And so the test then is that if you deem these names, these individuals as people that are not worth emulating, then you become that example. You blaze your own trail. You blaze your own path. You set up the example that needs to be had so that other people can follow. I believe that joy is a hard concept to understand in our hustle culture. There's a Christian hip-hop artist named Andy Minio, and he wrote a song called Always in a Rush. And it's a song that I can really identify with and because he chronicles how difficult it is for him to just rest and relax because of the need that by doing so, he's missing out on making and, and, and being productive. That he's missing out on a moment to really create, to really produce something. And he feels just that he's always in a rush of trying to do something or be somewhere or accomplish something that he is missing out on what it means to live. And I'm not saying that we should not be productive. Clearly we should, but even God rested on the seventh day of creation and he ceased from his work. And I'm going to speak about this later. And it It really means that when we look at God resting, it means that we need to enjoy to fellowship and we need to rest in full connection with God. And I do encourage you, go ahead and check out that song by Andy Minio, Always in a Rush. So I've set up, I think, a great foundation of what we're going to get into today. So let's pause. I'm going to take a brief break. And when we come back, I really want to spend some time and I really want to talk about the variety of ways that we can cultivate joy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Avram Davis, founder of Unapologetically Avram, and I want to formally invite you to become a patron of unapologeticallyavram.com. The reason for this is that in our various geographies, our various churches, there is one body, one church. And for that reason, racism has no place. Join with me in this fight so that we can be that authentic church that Jesus gave his life for. If you are serious about the church's commitment to ending racism, and if you believe the church's commitment to being that multi-ethnic, multicultural vibe that we see in Revelation 7 and 9, go to www.patreon.com forward slash unapologetically Avram, where for as little as three dollars a month you can help us advance this mission to eradicate racism to be a safe place for believers of color to be seen heard validated and celebrated and to ultimately foster authentic community thank you so much and please consider joining With all of this said, the question then is how does one cultivate joy while doing this anti-racism work? With all of the various schisms and divisions, how does one cultivate joy? Now, maybe you're not doing anti-racism work. Maybe you're clergy and you're an active minister, maybe you're in a parachurch organization, or maybe you're a single mom, or 
maybe you're a single dad, or maybe you're just a student, wherever you may find yourself, how do we cultivate joy where we are? I think for starters, the way that we can cultivate joy is in the worship of God. Now, when I say worship of God, and when I say worship, I'm not merely referring to the slower songs that we sing during praise and worship or just contemplative emotional responses. Although these are certainly included in the worship of God. But what I am referring to is what is called the church liturgy and the church service itself. When we are in fellowship with other believers and the way that the service itself is constructed, this is how we can cultivate joy. And in fact, in some traditions, the various colors, the smells, the songs, the artwork, the vestments of the clergy, all of this is included in such a way that all of the senses, what we see, what we hear, what we taste, if we're partaking in communion or the Eucharist, what we feel, all of this is included in the worship of God. And in fact, for a lot this past Sunday, for, for many churches worldwide, we celebrated Pentecost Sunday. It is in the worship service This is where heaven and earth meet. During the worship itself, we are reminded that God is God above all, that it is God who is in control. And we are reminded of why we do this work. We are reminded why we are working so hard to eradicate racism, why we are working so hard to build community to build disciples, to really spread the love of God throughout the world, it is through the worship service itself that we are reminded of these things. And yes, you can do anti-racism work outside of the church, and you probably should do anti-racism work also outside of the church. But it's also through the church service that you can find joy. It is in the body of Christ, the community of believers, it is here, consistently with Scripture, that God wishes to be with us and we with Him. And as the Scripture says, I will be their God, they will be my people, and I will dwell in their midst. And so we take joy in the worship of God, that we are created by God and that he is a God of justice and a God of love above all. And so we can take joy in our worship services. We are reminded of the presence of God. We are joined in fellowship with other believers. This is despite the differences that we have. We are united in worship. And what we see in Revelation 7 and 9, that through a host of different languages, of cultures, of ethnicities, of languages, of colors, that we are all gathered together in the worship of God. And so it's in our church service, worshiping God, that we can cultivate joy.
Another way that we can cultivate joy is in our relationships. And I'm not only speaking about romantic relationships, but I am also including relationship with friends and relationship with families, even in our work relationships at, on the job and where we work. I think one of the biggest disappointments we can find in the church is that we are lacking severely a theology of friendship. And what I mean is we often see in the church an emphasis on a family structure, on the husband and on the wife and on the children. And in fact, there are countless relationship podcasts. I'm seeing them on different Instagram reels, on Facebook Facebook stories, Twitter feeds, Twitter threads, you name it. And they're all discussing the various challenges and triumphs of romantic relationships. But I, I got a question. How often are you hearing and watching podcasts and Facebook stories and Instagram reels and tweets that are discussing friendships and their importance? And I often see and hear different posts, right, about how strong someone's cutoff game is, but I don't hear too often about how strong someone's forgiving game is. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that you should not have a cutoff game because there are cases and situations that folks really do need to be cut off and that people do not need to have access to you if they are repeatedly damaging you with no relent for their behavior. But I am saying that if we want to experience God's forgiveness and full fellowship with God, then we too need to practice forgiveness. Now, this is not the the particular avenue for me to preach, but I do want to say that in this episode, I want to mention how important it is that we do practice forgiveness. And I do also want to emphasize that this episode does not allow me to go into detail um, a full discourse necessary for forgiveness. But I do want to mention that for any relationship, forgiveness is necessary. And in our various relationships, they serve to build us up, to encourage us, to motivate us, to challenge us, to comfort us. Our relationships that we have are meant to build community. And you cannot survive alone. As I think about Job and what he went through, one of the greatest things that his friends did is simply showing up. The gift of their presence was enough for Job and that for a good seven days, nothing really was said, but they just sat there in his presence and they wept with him. And we need this presence. Sometimes our presence itself is enough. And we need this presence in our romantic relationships, in our friendships, and in our family. The way that joy is cultivated here is you're reminded that you're not alone. It breeds into that self-image, that self-worth, that self-concept, knowing that people are here for you, that they're pushing you, that they're encouraging you, that you're not an island, that no one is meant to be alone that we have been created for unity. And this is another way that we can cultivate joy. So I want to end 
this segment and I want to list the final way that we can cultivate joy is in rest. Now, I'm not merely speaking about going to sleep, although good, sound, healthy sleep is one aspect of rest. But I am speaking to the type of rest that I mentioned earlier that God took on the seventh day of creation. And rest is equated with peace, with joy, with satisfaction, and with fulfillment. When you experience these things, you can truly rest. It's a way that you let your guard down and you can really enjoy where you are. And this is essentially what it means to to celebrate the Sabbath. You know, another way is, is let me explain it this way. And, And if you've been... Um, I often use this example whenever I'm speaking in church is that I use the cupcake example, all right? And when you think about all of the things that go into making a cupcake, you know, you got the eggs, making the batter, the oven, the heat, putting the icing, all of that, you are not finished with the cupcake until you actually eat it. And so... When you are enjoying the fruits of your labor, when you are experiencing a total and holistic calmness and ease, this is what it means to rest. Rest, another way and another word we can use for it is Sabbath. And Sabbath is a way to recharge, to reflect, and to reset. Ultimately, we take our rest in God and in who God is. This rest, it also means taking momentary breaks from work. This includes work from ministry, work from anti-racism work, work from your vocation. Whatever type of work you find yourself in, it's good to cease from doing that and just to pause. It means that we need to stop certain negative behaviors, get away from negative distractions, stop complaining. Stop from worrying and ceasing those unhealthy habits. It also means that we probably need to include meditation in our practice. Now, I know for some, you don't cut off this podcast because you heard me say meditation. But um, what I really want to get at is just that meditation is a way of just being still and breathing. How often do we just pause just to breathe? And so also including in this pausing and breathing is just reflecting, reflecting in gratitude for health, for life, and for strength. And I do understand that this is easier said than done because some of us, there is just so much going on from, from a, a survival standpoint that this is extremely difficult to do. And my heart really breaks. And I really pray that God does shower you with this love and this comfort in that in those moments wherever you are. But I also I'm encouraged to know that in these moments with everything that's going on it leads to hope. Hope that things will get better. In our personal lives, in our personal circumstances, and in our anti-racist work and in the ministries and the vocation that God has called us. Rest Sabbath sabbaticals are important to recharge and to reset. And this also cultivates joy. So in summary, 
we discuss cultivating joy in worship, in our relationships, and in rest. And after cultivating joy in these aspects, we can find encouragement and peace to keep moving in this fight to unify and for unity in the body of Christ. Cultivating joy, it allows us to find purpose in whatever vocation we may find ourselves in, whether you're in clergy or you're in other work. This is how we can have that black boy joy and cultivate that black girl magic or whatever ethnicity or social class or orientation, nationality, gender, ability you find yourself in, you can find joy knowing that God created you to be uniquely you. So I have outlined a few different ways of how you can cultivate joy. But for you, what are some ways that you can cultivate joy? What are some ways that you can intentionally protect your space to reflect, to reset, and to recharge. And think about how you personally can make sure that you are finding joy, that you are building this joy, and that you are able to feel satisfaction, contentment, and excitement for who you are, for where you are, and for what God is doing for you. I hope that you are buying into the vision of unapologetically Abram, that we are looking to end and eradicate racism, to be a safe place for believers of color, to be seen, heard, validated, and celebrated, and to ultimately foster authentic community.